this week on Young Nostalgia. It's going to be a long, long afternoon. This is a holdup. Let's take a look. Hello and welcome to another episode of Young Nostalgia. I'm Nolan. As always, the most beaming, pure, souls at heart, Ben is beside me. Ben, how you doing today, big guy? <laughs> I'm doing good. I, <laughs> it, that sounded that, like you're that, the <laughs> same exact voice and cadence you use when you're stalling at the end of the episode when you haven't started the, uh, the outgoing music yet. <laughs> I, I was about to say, like, how much of that sentence was completely wrong? <laughs> but uh, but no, uh, on your intro there, I was I didn't say anything before we started, but I thought for sure you were gonna go, uh, you're gonna go down a different route. You're gonna say something about like, all right, nobody move, put the subscription in the bag, and nobody gets hurt. Oh my gosh, I I really effed up. <laughs> I should have done that. <laughs> I was going in between like, you know, a long afternoon or like who let the dogs out. I don't know. It was, <laughs> but you have it, man. You had it. That's all right. I I thought sure that you're going that do, direction, do, but do you want to practice it? Do you want to practice it here? I'll start the intro and then I'll lower it. And then that's when you say the thing. Well, I mean, I feel like it's pretty fake now that we've already started the show. Are you sure? I'm sure. Cause we can. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think you're just trying to deflect, being like, no, I don't want that responsibility. <laughs> don't you put that on me. All right. Right, right. Hello and welcome. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with us. This is episode 108, continuing our movie recommendations. So this week was my second, no, third, second pick. Second, yeah. My, my second pick for Ben, and it was uh, Dog Day afternoon and it was a 1975 american biographical neo-noir film directed by sydney lumet written by frank pearson and produced by martin bregman and martin elfand it stars el pacino john cazell james broderick and charles durning and it chronicles the actual events following a bank robbery committed by sonny wartzik pacino and salvatore naturile who is Cazelle, but it's actually based on true events that happened in Brooklyn in August of 1972. So super excited to dive into this one. Uh, we watched it a little bit late, but Ben was texting me back and forth, and he said that he quite enjoyed the movie. Yes, quote, quote, quite enjoyed it. <laughs> and a very elegant words. <laughs> Well, I like to uh, I like to speak with a wide vocabulary and very very right. off the wall grammar. It makes me feel smarter when I'm around other people. Right. So. <laughs> well, you sure as hell come off as the smart one on this show. <laughs> I'm fooling somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, I think we got a pretty good packed show coming towards you. So coming up on four minutes, I think we should just turn it around. We'll get Ben's hot takes, and I'll take after that. What do you think, Big A? Love it. All right, let's do it. Do it. Do it. Oh, you changed. Okay, there it is. Yep, there sorry. it is. <laughs> Just he's like, freaking. He's like, what are you doing? Leave you, me hanging. You didn't say the thing. <laughs> we do this every week, Ben. <laughs> Just trying to change it up, man. 
And you talked during the transition. <laughs> Fantastic. So did you, man. You did it worse than me. But it just right. totally like blows the uh, <laughs> illusion that we're actually on a break, and it just throws it right, right out the window. Right. <laughs> ben, what's up, big guy? Uh, what were your hot takes on Dog Day? All right, so I, kind of the first on my <laughs> first on my list is uh, the whole based on true story thing, and from what the the little bit of reading that I did on the backstory, um, from what it sounds like. As far as a based on a true story movie goes, it seems like it's fairly accurate. Um, you know, with mm-hmm. it, it's impossible to make a movie about uh, a real life event and be exactly true to history, just based on like the timeline right. of things. You know, you have to move things around to uh, fit in the movie timeline, and and you know, there's. You have to move a little things around just to keep people's attention. And so there does have to be some changes here and there. But for right. the most part, from what I read, that it's this is really pretty true to the to the real story. Um, you know, if anything, and, and you know, you, you think about uh, uh, Pacino's character in the movie, Sonny. Uh, I guess uh, I guess he was kind of a, a sanitized version of the real Sonny uh uh, oh boy, uh, Wartzik, the real Sonny Wartzik. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess he was not the, uh, I don't know how I want to say it. He, obviously the movie doesn't necessarily portray him as well thought out and well planned and that sort of thing. But I guess in real life it was an absolute mess and he was kind oh, of, yeah. he was kind of insane in real life. Right, you know. he was kind of yeah. He, he was a weirdo. Yeah, he was he was an oddball, and uh, Pacino's character in the movie. It seemed like they did kind of play that down a little bit and gave him a little bit more of a like a calm and collected attitude. I mean, I guess about as calm as anyone could be in a botched bank robbery. Um, right, like 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 if you take him into if you take him into context of like very Hollywood esque bank robberies right like guys that or or people that know what they're doing and have done this before or have done their research you can obviously tell in dog day afternoon they were flying by the seat of their pants from the beginning like (laughs) even al pacino as an actor the whole time like his eyes are wide open he's like i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) but i'm gonna yell at you and you're gonna do what i say well even even at the very, very onset of the movie before, uh, oh boy, he was such a small actor in the grand scheme of things. They're the third partner or the, the, the third member of their crew after he bailed in like the oh, first two minutes. Right. Um, right. He's like, I can't do it. But, Sonny, I can't do it. But even before that, when they first go in there, uh, I believe he's, uh, Sonny's, you know, trying to spray paint over the security, the closed circuit TV mm-hmm. cameras, even that, it just had this air of unsureness because I mean, at one point in time, he had to drag a a, a chair over to stand on it to right to, to spray out the lens. You know, he's trying to jump and spray at right. the same time, which was pretty comical. Um, and right. from the very very beginning, they made it very clear that these guys were not expert bank robbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the only thing that kind of came off as somewhat competent is the way that. Sonny directed people 
when the robbery was taking place, if that makes sense. So he says a line of, I've been a bank teller before, don't play me. So he knows a lot of like the security background for banks at the time. Like you don't fully take out a cash drawer. Like you take a slip of piece of paper, slip it in over the hundreds, and then you take the last hundred out. So then it thinks that there's still money in there. Because right. if you're robbing a bank, obviously you're just going to grab the whole roll and go with it. Right. So that's the only like composed feel of the whole movie was like when he was directing them on how to take the money. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's, I kind of got that feeling from it as well. Uh, you know, especially when he, he did mention that he was a bank teller. So he knows, uh, he knows kind of the security protocols, like you were saying with the last hundred, um, he knows the like the kind of training that a I use training in kind of quotes I guess uh, that a bank teller would have you know what they're told to do in that scenario and he was able to handle that situation very well and that was pretty much the only moment of true expertise professionalism that was shown <laughs> um, in the in the entire job <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love, and I'm glad that you obviously noticed that and gravitated towards that in it too. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Like a little bit of background because I was just doing research on Wikipedia on like the actual bank robbery. Mm-hmm. Turns out that earlier that day they were driving around to just banks. They were just driving around and then they just picked one arbitrarily. So they were actually going to rob two other banks. So they went into one. And then it turns out, I believe it might have been Sal dropped his shotgun. So it went off in the bank and then they ran away. So they were able to leave. And then they went to another bank and the third guy that like bailed on him in the beginning of the movie, he was there for the first two banks. So the next bank, they went in and then turns out the mother of a good friend of the third guy that bailed on him at the bank was at there. So then they bailed that one. They weren't going to rob that one because she knows who they are. And then they went to this other random bank and that's what ended up happening at that point. So, you know, after two, even if it was like they ran in and didn't even begin to rob the bank, you know that there was police called. There's everyone's kind of, you know, in the banking industry and, you know, police departments, everyone's already a little bit on edge because something's going on. Um, right, right, right. After you do that, not once, but twice. Um, mm-hmm. But just the, just the fact that, you know, you don't have a target picked out at that point when you're driving around town is just ridiculous. Right. I mean, even look, you look <laughs> at, uh, I mean, I suppose it doesn't necessarily happen very often nowadays. Every time it does happen, it's always uh, super botched, kind of like this. Um, right. But kind of in the days of, actual bank robberies i mean it's there's weeks and months and months of planning that go into this right you don't just roll up to a bank and decide to rob it <laughs> like that's that's not right. how it's done right and the movie does a really good job like the whole setup of the movie it maybe takes five minutes then all of a sudden you see a car pull up to a chase bank manhattan and then one guy goes up there and like oddly awkwardly goes inside walks out and then like talks to them while they're in the car and even then you could tell that like Sonny is on edge mm-hmm. you know like he's nervous yeah and and you know what it, i think it's even shorter than that uh i think 
when it first pans down to the bank and you know getting things started i think they're already there like it that's kind of the one thing i have in my notes is that like the movie immediately started into the plot right Uh, i love it they're cool already hanging out in the car before they go into the bank and (laughs) to make it even worse they're literally sitting in the car directly in front of the front door (laughs) (laughs) right right (laughs) three shady looking guys just hanging out right in front of the bank I love like, what it. On yeah, your earth, point, <laughs> what on earth? Yeah, your point. What your point here says that you that you love it when movies just open up right to the plot rather than like building up stuff. So like, what what about that makes you love that kind of cinematography? Um, to be honest, I don't really have a main reason why it happens. Well, I mean, why I like it. Um, I think one of the reasons is that you just don't see it very often. Like it's different. Oh, okay. Um, right. and it's kind of like. I like it because it's a little bit different and it's not kind of just a normal slow buildup. Um, you know, I think there, some movies do it way. Some movies are like, you're like 30 minutes in before there's anything good happening. And it's like, okay, I'm over it. Um, right. <laughs> it's like, I don't care how good the movie is. I'm, I'm over it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I know I do for whatever reason I do. I do like that. I like kind of the, it's almost like you're going just like the people in the movie in this scenario, the viewer is going in cold. You know, you don't Right, right. You don't like we don't need to know how Sal and Sonny know each other. Um you know, we don't need to know that relationship for the basis of the movie, and so they didn't need to show it, as well as other things. I'm just using that as an example. Um Right, right. And uh and I think part of that if they did show some of the lead up to it, it kind of ruins part of the plot as well because there's, you know, the actual reasoning behind the robbery, you know, you get into later in the movie, um, that's kind of a plot twist that's a major part of the movie. Um, that's true. And That's true. That's a good thought. By having them just opening up and the viewers are wondering what on earth is going on, uh, it kind mm-hmm. of adds a little bit of, uh, suspense to it right almost like the movie starts and then all of a sudden guns are pulled out on bank employees and then you you have more questions than answers over an hour and a half into the movie almost mm-hmm. yeah exactly i mean it's it's uh it kind of keeps this this movie if you didn't if you don't know what's you know the real story or anything behind it it's definitely keeps you guessing the entire time right right and even then once you find out you're like what (laughs) (laughs) so i guess uh i guess before we really necessarily move on here uh one thing i wanted to add to the based on true story thing is i thought it was kind of funny when he he ended up getting out of prison sunny wartzik uh got out of prison and kind of bummed around not really bummed around but kind of different jobs trying to make a living and he ended up later in his life he actually stood out in front of the bank basically selling <laughs> autographs uh wearing a i robbed this bank t-shirt which i thought was hilarious that's amazing i had no idea and then turns out like i also read something too that he applied to be a guard he at applied the bank. to be a security he, guard at the yes. bank. <laughs> <laughs> he was like i robbed it you think anybody else will rob it if i'm there no. Yeah. It, it, he he ultimately got denied, I think. Yeah, well, he did. And I think it was funny because I don't know about, you know, the article that you read, 
the uh, but the article that I read that had it in there, it didn't even that sentence where it said, you know, uh, uh, he applied as a security guard at the bank. It didn't even dignify it with a, but he didn't get the job. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, it whoever like, wrote the you, article you just, felt you, it wasn't even necessary to include that because <laughs> you're like, damn right, he didn't get the job. Exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I don't know. I had to add that in there because it was it was pretty awesome. So uh, that is amazing. So <laughs> I think we talked about it a little bit before, but uh, it absolutely cracked me up. I lost it when he's. There's kind of a, a half, maybe about a half hour sequence where it seems like there's almost nonstop phone calls, um, right, 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 both from law enforcement. This is I, this is pretty much at the point where, you know, cats out of the bag, cops mm-hmm. are outside. Uh, everybody this knows what's going like on. This is very much like the beginning. It's like the beginning. It's like the second phone call or, or third that he like took. Yeah, yeah, and the first one because well, I think he took a phone call. It was the police, and he hung up. The second phone call, right. he like answered the phone all mad. And started yelling at him, and then he's like, "Oh wait, it was the husband of one of the uh, bank tellers." And he's <laughs> right. like, "All right, it's for you." Right. And he handed the phone off, right. and then it rang again, and he's already like very frustrated with the amount of phone calls. And he answers the phone, says, "WNEW, we play all the hits." He <laughs> 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 was ans- like a call That's screener great. at a radio station, and it's such a dumb line, right. but <laughs> it's 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 good. I, and then, like. Ab- I love that you you picked that up because for one it adds a lot of humor and just kind of breaks up the the tense air of the movie. But two, the phone call of the husband and then this back to back, I feel like is the beginning of the uh, humility of the character of Sonny, right? Yes. So a big thing of like an arc of the movie is how Sonny is actually very humanized and like. I don't know, almost naive to the point of being friendly with the people that he's robbing. So like he takes the first phone call, but instead of hanging up on the bank teller's husband, he's like, here you go. Tell him whatever you want to tell him. Do whatever. And he's she, he's not like monitoring her or anything else and then goes and picks up the phone and then does that. <laughs> so it almost just like brings him down to earth where it's like, Okay, this guy seriously does not know what he's doing. Like he 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 he's almost like given up on the first plan and is wasting time to figure out what to do next. Yeah, that's exactly that the feel sense. that I got. It's just like, you know what? It is already so screwed up at this point. Mm-hmm. What, what am I even doing? Um right. You know, there's right. at this point there's no sense hiding the fact we're robbing the bank. Uh there's no, you know, it just and and that's that's kind of something we see at other times in the movie too, not necessarily with Sonny, but kind of most of the time centered around Sonny, where there is, it's a very serious scenario in this movie, but there's quite often an element of humor involved mm-hmm. that's kind of like a, a serious comedy, like sarcastic kind of humor involved. Um, right. You know, nothing that's necessarily joke-related, but it's more of just like, Let's take a moment and laugh at a ridiculous situation we got here. Kind of exactly, humor. Um, exactly, which I really appreciated. I think that kind of shows the mindset of these guys who are a already they were way out of their league before they even started, um, and b mm-hmm. after it just is totally colossally screwed up. Right, 
Right. Um, and and it's like, well, th- I guess this is a point that I don't want to bring up just yet. Um, but I did want to just kind of get your overall hot take on like, how did you feel about that with like the camaraderie that over time took place between Sonny and the bank tellers? Like, did you feel like that was a very integral, like interesting part of the movie? Like you didn't feel like it was so out of place, almost like, oh, I could see this happening based on the kind of characters that they are. No, I didn't. I didn't think it was out of place at all. I definitely noticed it, and like uh, I thought that was kind of odd, but I don't think it was out of place. You know, you know, to kind of explain what Nolan's talking about. I mean, I, I, pretty much, you know, getting to the middle and towards the end of the movie. I mean, he's borderline friends with the hostages. Right. Um, and they're right. comfortable and they're kind of just hanging out and he bought pizza for him at one point. Um, mm-hmm. and the, the way a couple of the actresses portrayed their bank teller roles, you know, there was kind of split between the hostages. Obviously, you know, everyone's a little bit uncomfortable with the situation, <laughs> right, but right. there was some tellers that were like super nervous, super scared the whole time. And then there were some that seemed to kind of like adopt the mindset of like, you know, I think these guys, they really aren't going to hurt us. Um, and they're mm-hmm. just kind of in it, almost having a good time with the adventure part of it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like this is so crazy and there's TV cameras and we're on TV and a yeah. part of this. Yeah. And the, like, the one we'll tell actually, this story forever. I think it was, I think she was like the managers. No, it, it was, uh, there were the manager was a man. Uh, there was almost like a, I don't know what her title would be. She was almost like the head like the yeah, bank she was teller. like the head counter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, right, she right. came back inside, and she walked back in and then got all excited. She's like, oh, my gosh, I was on TV. Right, exactly, exactly. And, and, and it's interesting. Like, did you notice how in the beginning it really struck me? Because I, I like how this movie also, like, well, obviously it's based on true events, right? But I also like how it doesn't shy away of recognizing itself, right? Mm-hmm. So Sonny and Sal are obviously very amateur, very starstruck or like just blinded by the light of oh man this might be more than what we can handle and so it starts off with like the tellers and the manager like almost don't take them seriously they're like have you ever robbed a bank before (laughs) you haven't you haven't planned this have you and so that kind of starts the like friendliness because they're like these guys aren't going to hurt us because they don't know how to right yeah no i absolutely noticed that as well they were giving him all kinds of crap in the beginning it was the same lady the mm-hmm. same uh like the head counter she's like did you plan right. any of this like <laughs> what are you doing um right yeah i i did really enjoy that um as as well and and you know just kind of more on that i mean there was at least one other teller that was every time they showed her pretty much it seemed like she was smiling about something just like right. waiting to see what's going to happen next um right so, I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny. I guess going along with the, the little bit of, it's not really humor in the movie, but I thought it was kind of funny. Did you notice the Krylon spray paint product placement? No, no, um, no, I did. It was so incredibly blatant. It like zoomed in on the counter at the bank, and it was the can of paint that he had been spraying the uh, lenses with, and it was oh. he was over messing with something like messing with one of the drawers. Oh, it was when he was going to get the register, the the registry to uh, burn it. Oh, okay, okay. And it okay. like zoomed in on him, but it zoomed in not centered 
on him. It left him off center in the background, but like straight up focused directly center screen (laughs) on this perfectly placed can of paint with the cap on with the label perfectly facing the camera. Oh my God. And I just, I never looked it up to see if (laughs) Krylon or anything was a, you know, a contributor or or what. Um, But I thought there is no way, no possible way that that wasn't an intended product placement. Right. I love it. That's hilarious. I had no freaking idea. That's the goofy stuff that I get sucked into in movies right. that doesn't apply to anything in the movie and then I miss stuff. <laughs> That's fantastic though. Because you end up thinking about that for the next ten minutes. I did. I at that point in time I pulled out my phone and I started writing down notes just like I wrote you down the Krylon, not. I wrote down the, the new the radio station thing. And I missed probably about okay. five minutes in that whole process because of that stupid can of Krylon paint. That That's really funny. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. Maybe I should move on a little bit more to something more substantive. Uh, so this is another movie. I think it's been a couple of the movies we've watched so far that had really interesting movie scores. And this one's interesting because right. there was no score. Yeah, uh, yeah, the whole freaking movie, man, it was nuts. Well, yeah, it was, it was, there was like a an overlaid song over the the credits, which I wouldn't even count that as part of the movie because it was basically just a montage of the gross New York City streets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but then I think uh, I think there were only three, and I think I hope I got this reference right, but it was diegetic songs where they're. Uh, they're heard by the characters in the movie. They're not necessarily overlaid like a movie score. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I know the first one was like Elton John. Yep. Yep. And there were in, in the beginning of it. And there were a couple more that were related to, I believe they were related to a, a radio in the background. And then also a, uh, I think it was a radio and a vehicle as well. But those that was that was uh, the only music backing anything, and they were all in the movie, heard by the by the characters. So there was absolutely no scoring okay. involved at all, which was you just don't right. see that very often. Absolutely, and it like definitely pulls it off too. It's weird, like you definitely notice that it's not there. Yeah, but you also don't because it's like. I don't know. The movie just does so well with like character um, interactions that it, it it kind of never ceases to be tense all movie long. Yeah, no, no, I get it. I mean, where there would you know where you think of a movie would normally have some some background music to it. You know, you know, I just for example, Pacino's character he's kind of pacing back and forth, rubbing his face and wiping sweat off his brow and that sort of thing, where he's He's bugging out, trying to think of you know what he's going to do next, um, right? And have it totally silent in the background, nothing but his shoes on the floor and his bodily sounds of you know him doing whatever he's doing. Uh, it adds that bodily sounds. Well, I don't know, like the noise, like of him <laughs> like pacing and maybe he'll sigh and and you know kind of mutter or something under his breath. Um, turns out Al Pacino is lactose intolerant you can hear his stomach the entire time oh my goodness but you know what I mean where it where you know where they could have some sort of background music having it totally silent like that kind of it kind of 
puts you, I wouldn't say in his place, but it gives you the same like anxiety that he's experiencing. Right, right. Because there's like nothing to distract your mind other than the present situation. Yeah, there's you have absolutely nothing to nothing else to do besides watch him freak out. Right, <laughs> right. It's nuts, dude. It's crazy. It, it, it's good. I'm glad you pointed that out because that was one big thing that was on my mind the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I definitely noticed it as well. Um, but uh, I think I'm where I'm kind of skipping around through my notes. Not like they were in any particular mm-hmm. order anyway. Um, <laughs> no worries. Though we started talking about it before, we might as well hit it hit it again with some um, some different stuff. We talked about it with the bank tellers a little bit, but the super weird dynamic between everybody in the movie uh mm-hmm. sunny there was kind of a for a while there was a weird relationship between sunny and sal where you know sunny was still trying to be the calm and collected kind of guy and sal was he was losing it um right he was yeah um yeah he, he was, was like ready to kill people <laughs> well no well i think he was i think he was trying to mentally prepare himself to kill people but he actually he oh. kind of talked about how he like hurting anyone was like absolute last case scenario because of his uh faith he was catholic right oh yeah yeah, Remember, yeah. there and was then plus he, plus there was a line dropped that he was in prison before right yeah and uh and he absolutely did not want to uh, take anyone's life or hurt anyone if he didn't have to. And he was actually getting ready to potentially, Sonny was talking him out of killing himself because supposedly that was their mm-hmm. plan going in. If anything went wrong, they were going to kill themselves. Right. Um, so there was kind of that weird uh, dynamic between them, but also like the police, uh, the crowd outside um, and law enforcement. Uh, you know, I mean, he, towards the end, I mean, he had the crowd cheering for him. Um, you know, the police were trying super hard to keep basically a crowd of fans, uh, almost yeah. from, from barging in. Um, like we already talked about, he had the favor of the hostages for the most part. Um, well, I mean, he was even at one point they, well, obviously it wasn't really about the money anymore at, at a certain point because, you know, they ended up, you know, through, uh, issues with the actual job itself. They only end up getting was it like a thousand dollars or eleven hundred dollars or something, something like that. Plus travelers checks and all that. Yeah, kind of they stuff. did get some travelers checks, but basically he ends up throwing money out to the crowd just for the heck of it, um, and getting right. them all wild up. Um, but one of the big things I wanted to talk about was the zaniness between. The uh, Moretti, the police, was he the police captain, I believe? Right. Or like the detective yeah, in charge? The sergeant or, or some sort of negotiator. Yeah. Him, the police, and Sonny. Because I, and I don't know, I don't, based on the movie, it, they didn't necessarily portray Moretti as competent enough to be planning all this out in his head. Right, right. So it leads me to believe that the miscommunication between law enforcement was unintentional. Um, mm-hmm. but it's still, that was still kind of adding to that comedy because, uh, you know, Sonny's trying to, uh, he's talking to Moretti and Moretti's really put, if anything else, he's putting on a great show. Like he's trying to work with him. Um, right. super accommodating. He, he sends a guy out to go get everyone food. 
Uh, basically, all these accommodations to try to, you know, ease the tension of the situation. And then he about loses his mind when the uh, SWAT team starts breaking in the back of the bank. In the back. Right, right. And almost like his constant excuses. Communications aren't set up yet, but, you know, it's like hours into this bank robbery and they haven't even <laughs> done that yet. Right. Exactly. It's like, what? And, but the way they portray it, there's no... I just don't think that it it was inten- intentional. Like, like right. he was kind of stalling him almost to get you know the SWAT teams in through the back and take care of the situation. I think it was meant right. to portray pure incompetence on the mm-hmm. local police uh, district's handling of the situation. Right, which kind of right. added like to the- that. That a little that little bit of comedy, that serious comedy that it kind of had. Um, <laughs> exactly, because Moretti just gets heated and goes off every time <laughs> something goes wrong. Yeah, exactly. So, and like Sonny walks out, he's like, "What are you doing to me?" And the guy's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. I, I'm glad you bring that up though, because like the relationship the relationship between Sonny and Moretti is my favorite thing favorite thing throughout this whole movie, because even right in the beginning. They get that first phone call, right? Sonny picks it up after the manager picks it up. And then he looks across the street and sees Moretti. And Moretti's like, we're here and we have you, a-hole. Like, looking at him. So, like, Moretti off the bat is playing hardball, right? Right. But Moretti is so good at his job, he quickly realizes the kind of person that Sonny and Sal are. And his whole demeanor and his whole way of talking to them changes when he realizes, like, I feel like the whole time Moretti kind of knew that Sonny and Sal would never do anything, which is kind of ballsy because they had no idea of the situation within that bank from beginning to end. Like, everything was such a mystery in there. But I get so captivated every time that Sonny comes out, waves his little white handkerchief like a freaking hobo weirdo, (laughs) and talks to Moretti. Like, that was so interesting because, like, Moretti's always on his heels, but still has control of Sonny, if that makes sense. Right. Because Sonny always comes off as, like, being in control, but actually Moretti was kind of in control. And Sonny won over the crowd just by happenstance of being like, I have nothing. I'm nonviolent. Stop pointing guns at me. And then crowds were like going off because police were being so aggressive at first. It's just a weird, crazy dynamic the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And it's you bringing up the fact I, I didn't I didn't pick it up, pick up on how Moretti's handling of the situation changed throughout the movie, how he did. I, I do remember now how he did initially try to play hardball, and then he he fairly quickly realized that these guys they don't want to hurt anyone. They're most likely not right. going to hurt anyone if we just you know try to treat them like civilized human beings. Um, and uh, and you kind of it kind of that kind of plays into the the overall feeling of uh, you know how they portrayed these guys that. They almost had the feel that that they they weren't they weren't really bad guys. They were good guys, kind of mixed up in a bad situation. Is the kind of right. the feeling that they were trying to almost portray the characters. Now, you know, looking at the real life scenario, we know that that wasn't necessarily the case. They were kind of a 
couple thugs, but they were just really bad at it. Um, right. <laughs> they were just really bad at it. <laughs> um, but uh, Moretti's uh, handling of the situation also kind of plays into that a little bit. Like he realizes that they don't, these guys, they don't know what they're doing. They don't want to hurt anyone. They're just, they're trying to make the best out of a messed up situation. Um, right. Right. And then that's when he kind of changes his, changes his tune a little bit. Right. Exactly. I like that. But did you also notice, I guess going on that as well, did you also notice how different the local police and the FBI were portrayed? Absolutely. Like the FBI was like standoffish, Mm -hmm. but also like no emotions whatsoever. Well, yeah, not even just that. Like, the local police, it seems like everything they were doing was just an absolute debacle. And mm, as okay, soon as the FBI so. rolled in, it seemed like it's, it's like almost as soon as they arrived on site, boom, under control. Right. You know, exactly. Even and though they, they were, the were there for kind of bring it to a close. Yeah, no, exactly. And I was just going to say, even though they were there for a couple more hours, you know, with the, the hostages in the bank, it's just the whole thing dynamic between law enforcement and the hostages changed almost immediately mm-hmm. as they introduced the FBI. Like the FBI was in charge. They had control. Um, and there was like no if, ands or buts about it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's weird that you almost like kind of curtailing off of the FBI and then local law enforcement. It only, it, it also seems like the spectacle that this became was almost because of local law enforcement's fault. The fact that they responded in such a huge way within, you know, how long of this actually going down. You're in Brooklyn, New York, in New York City. If you respond with 250 cops to a small bank in Brooklyn, like you're calling that upon yourselves that you'll have news helicopters in the air and people lined out there being like, what's going on? Oh, exactly, and that's definitely what uh, Sonny started playing to his advantage there uh, fairly early on. Um, he, you know, even before he went out and was talking to the crowd, he was kind of, uh, you know, offhand remarks about uh, uh, police, uh, you know, militarization of the police, and mm-hmm. uh, he. One of the things he was chanting to get the crowd all riled up was uh, he was yelling Attica over and over again, which uh, just like right prior to the this taking place was a uh, a massive prison riot uh, where a prison, I think it was four, no, it was, it was longer than that. I guess, they, I mean, it, it was a huge riot for days at a time. And then there was days of negotiations, you know, right. of, you know, trying to get prison reform and, you know, the prisoners wanted certain things before they'd release the prison. And it turned into a mess even after that because uh, law enforcement ended up going in and pretty much taking back control of the prison by force, um, you know, which, you know, at this point in time, I had quite a bit of uh, bad press about it as well. Um Right. And so he was, that's one of the main things he was using to get the crowd all riled up. Right. Um, so like obviously bringing, bringing, um, at the time national events that a lot of people would be like, uh, 
on the fence about, right? Like you'll have people who are against it, for it, all that kind of thing. So you have a huge point of conflict that he played to. And being in New York City, which is usually generally like more progressive in the way of things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, exactly. I mean, it's basically he was wanting to show, uh, get people to support him and show like, hey, look, we're two guys in this bank and look what they brought out. You know, it's like a he was kind of playing the uh, bringing a gun to a knife fight kind of card. Right. Um, right. 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 Yeah. You know, it's like, look what law enforcement brought out to two guys trying to hold up a bank um, mm-hmm. and what they're going to try to do to us. Exactly. I love it, man. You're bringing up amazing points that I actually had too. So <laughs> awesome. Well, covering everything. That's what I was just going to say. Is there anything that uh, I more or less kind of work through everything in a roundabout way? What, uh, what all do you have that uh, I didn't bring up? Well, I want to touch on your point quick before going to me about you have a hard time focusing on content and not the cards. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. yeah yeah in movies like this especially late 60s even early and mid 70s stuff where you see a lot of 60s vehicles driving around i i focus on that quite a bit i mean right out in front of the the bank their getaway car was like a i didn't get a good look at the badging but it was like a it was like a dodge coronet or something like that four door it was really cool okay um i love it isn't that cool that like just back then that's just that was the that was that's a, just what that that's Jove, <laughs> right? It was just a car. Right, you didn't have any other choice, right? And it's interesting, like those things are just big, like bricks of metal. But those, like, did you notice how almost every car had like twenty dents in it everywhere? <laughs> oh yeah, I was looking especially at the police cars too. I mean, you could they'd show shots of on the sidewalk where you're kind of looking down the edge of the car, and the whole side of the car was right. wavy like bacon. Um, yeah, it looked bad, but yeah, I, I have, I do have a hard time focusing on the movie when there's a, when there's set like this and you're looking at, uh, you know, city streets back in the sixties and seventies is really cool. I mean, I I was noticing uh, Volkswagen, Carmen Gia's cruising around like it was no big deal. Um, I love it, which is, I mean, it's just neat. Absolutely. And and it's even more fun in movies that are filmed in that period because that's also, all they had like it's not like they're using them as props to put you in that era it's like that's what it is yeah they're showing a legitimate busy new york street right Uh, yeah it's cool exactly yeah they're not prop cars that's just that's just what there was right ben pauses the movie in the beginning when you see the (laughs) the hot take of people commuting into the city and there's like cars everywhere (laughs) start taking screenshots Right, right. Start doing research. Um, Okay, so the only, uh, let me see here. The only big thing I feel like I want to um, touch upon is actually the uh, ending credits struck me as being weird as all get out. So the end credits, well, with it being an older movie in general, really aren't that long, but... When the when the credits start to roll, like the main cast that you see most of the time, they actually separate it in groups, and the groups are then separated in alphabetical order. So it's not like in order of appearance or in order of importance or, you know, or something like that. Like it literally, when the credits start, it it says 
how they read. They're like in groups by alphabetical order. And so like the first group is the bank. So everyone who was in the bank, that's who's listed. Yeah. And then it was like the law and then so on, so on. I was well, like, that is the in- most interesting thing to me. It is. And I and it's interesting because, yes, they did break it up like that, but they still, even inside those groupings, I don't think it was listed in appearance. I think it was listed in alphabetical order. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you're right. Did you notice that before the credits even rolled, there was like a blank screen where it straight just said... Uh, Credits listed in alphabetical order, not order of appearance. Yep, and that's that. That's what like cued me into like paying attention to it. Yeah, which not only is it odd they did it that way, but it's it seemed odd that they noted that they did it that way. Um, right. Which it just right. it really threw me off. Right, because like to me, if you just started rolling the credits in like groups of the bank, the law, like I would get it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wouldn't read into it. I'll be like, okay, so obviously I know what took place in the bank and who was there. So I, I get it. Yeah, it, it it struck me. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because it was, I 100% agree. If they just did it, I wouldn't think twice about it. Um, right. But the fact that they made a point in telling the viewers that that's how they're doing it, it then it's like, wait a second, that is weird. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's my favorite part of the whole movie. Oh, is Nothing it? Else. The, the ending credits. Yeah. <laughs> I only watch the. I only watch it for the ending credits. Yeah, you just sit through that two hours uh, <laughs> just to get it out of the way so you can watch the end credits. Right, right. Like back in the day, you know, you had it on VHS, but I would never rewind it once it got to the end credits, so I'd only rewind it like 10 seconds, watch the ending credits again. 10 seconds. <laughs> That's how you leave it for the next person so they can enjoy the end credits as well. Right. I have a whole bunch of late fees for Blockbuster. All right, man. What do you think? (laughs) How was that episode? Anything else, Big Guy? No, I think it was good. That was definitely... I I really enjoyed that movie. I'm kind of bummed that... I mean, I enjoyed watching it for the first time, but I'm kind of bummed that that is my first time watching it because it's like, how how could I have not seen this before? I mean, Al Pacino and John Cazale... Uh, you know, mm-hmm. obviously a great duo just coming, uh, I think, well, actually it was right after this, they filmed, uh, Godfather, uh, part right. one. Well, I, I think I, I actually researched this before watching the movie. I think Godfather part one was 71 or 72 and then this was 75. Oh, was it before that? Okay. Okay. Right. Um, I think this was like, Al pa- like, so Al Pacino got big or bigger, like, mm-hmm. A pretty good name after Godfather. And I think this was his first like theatrical release outside of the Godfather of him being like a bigger name. Gotcha. Understood. Understood. Uh yeah, I mean, so like you know, either way, no matter the, the order of things, I just you know, these two guys, uh, as you know, great as they are in other movies that I've seen them together in you know, I can't believe that I've never seen this one. Right. All right, man. Give us your bottom line score out of 10 for Dog Day Afternoon. I'm trying to think of what I gave the other movies. I think I'll give this a 9. I really, really enjoyed it. A 9? Yep. Nice. I love it. I love it. Yeah, watching it for my second time and for being an older movie with no score per se... 
I enjoyed this even more. So yeah, I, I definitely give it a nine myself. So for something like an older movie that keeps you so captivated when the totality of the circumstances of really there's only two sets that this whole movie went on. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It's good. So nine for me as well. Nines across the board. Nines. Heck yeah. Oh, that is a I good point it. that there really aren't too many sets in this movie. I mean, it's pretty much the inside of the bank, the outside of the bank and like the barber shop across the street. Yeah. Every place else was kind of like either out in the, pretty much just out in the open on a random like sidewalk or something like that where they could have just filmed everywhere. Right. Yeah, that is interesting right. too. Good good call. Thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate you. All right. <laughs> let's round this puppy out. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us and listening to episode 108 all about Dog Day Afternoon. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please leave a kind five-star review let us know what you enjoy take a few seconds and type it the tip tap tap what you like to listen to we'd love to hear from you on apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify google play you'll find us on your favorite podcasting app so um we have two more movies on our movie recommendation extravaganza what's next week what's uh what's on the next, bill week, for next week is the sting the Sting. Oh, I'm excited. That's going to be a that, good one. That's an older movie too, yes, right? Yes, it that's is. an older movie. I don't remember the okay. year, but uh, you can't beat Robert Redford and Paul Newman. Right. Absolutely. Dynamic duo. I'm super excited to jump into that and talk about it. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Tune in next week for that. This is all dog day afternoon. So with that being said, we love you guys. Ben, anything else? Big guy. No, nah, I think, like like I said, I think I enjoyed the movie. It was a good show. Great time talking about it. And uh, can't wait for next week's movie. Heck yeah. I love it, man. I love this. We're doing fantastic. This is good stuff. I like it. Expanding the, uh, the movie collection category thing. As we always say here on Young Nostalgia, Keep I'm the- not stalling, I promise. <laughs> Keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. We'll talk to you next week.